0: Everyone and welcome to a new episode of Thinking Aloud About Film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. And today we're continuing with our exploration of the Golden Decades, the Cinematic Masters of the Golden Horse Awards, a series of films from Taiwan, uh, some of which have been restored, including the one we're talking about today, Storm Over the Yangtze River, directed by Lang Han Xiang. Uh, And forgive me, everyone, if I'm butchering uh, all these names. So, um, Richard, what, what did you
1: think? Um, I quite enjoyed it. I found it quite hard to follow, I have to be be honest. Having looked at reviews afterwards, that perhaps seemed to be the intention. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a big-budget, spectacular 19, late 60s film about World War II. Um, it's filmed on a huge scale, you know, sort of dozens and dozens of extras in a lot of the scenes and some spectacular battle sequences and so on so yeah it was, despite not really following the plot i, I did enjoy watching it
0: i also uh, didn't follow the plot the film is based on or a historical incident that happened uh, during world war ii and part of the reason why uh, foreign viewers such as ourselves are finding following the plot so confusing is that there are not just two sides in this uh, conflict. There are four. There's the Kuomintang, uh, the Chinese nationals. Then there's the Chinese communists. Then there's the collaborators, and then there's the Japanese invaders. And I must say, I also had trouble kind of figuring out who yeah, was who. Yeah, because
1: I, I was thinking when when I, when I was watching it, I was kind of comparing it to uh, you know European or American films made in the '60s about World War II, like. Um, I watched recently Operation Crossbow, which which I'll talk about a bit later because I think it's an interesting comparison. But when you watch those, they're about an event where you you've got the historical background, right? So Operation Crossbow is all about the German development, German rocket development program, and the Allied attempts to stop development of the V1 and the V2 rockets. So again, it's based on a true incident, and you you know as a as a European or American, you watch that, and you immediately know what that's about. You know, you kind of get it. Um, whereas this about a true incident that you know, we don't we don't know the background as you say it's complicated by these four um different forces involved. factions it's complicated by the fact that the characters are double agents or triple agents and it's not clear to the other characters whose side each character is on the, the, and there's a couple of other things i think that make it more difficult to follow than it otherwise would be um, one is that the, the subtitles, I mean, there, there, there are English subtitles, but they're not brilliant and they don't translate any of the written information in the film. So there are points where there are signs that are clearly important or there are letters or newspaper articles being looked at. I, at some points, I resorted to using the Google Translate app on my phone to <laughs> <so laughs> pull out the screen and try and work out what was going on. So that's one thing. The, the other is the different languages being spoken by the characters in the film because the the point I, I I know some very very limited japanese and I could recognize that some of the characters were speaking japanese um, and most of the characters were speaking mandarin and i think at some points the japanese characters were speaking mandarin to the chinese characters or the chinese characters speaking japanese to the japanese characters and that was significant in terms of you know which side someone's on and who they're working for or who they're working with so that that didn't help but it was no. still visually. It's still an, an enjoyable film to watch, I think. Despite well, all
0: that. I mean, like you, I found it very difficult to follow. So difficult to follow, in fact, that I watched the first hour uh, last night, and then I gave up on it. And then this morning, I, I watched it all from the beginning, thinking, you know, that I might have been dozing or I wasn't paying proper attention, or why was I so confused? Uh, And it's really not my fault. I also think it may not be the film's fault. Yeah, I that you know the filmmakers are working with an audience expectation of what the audience it intends knows and I'm not that audience. Uh, That said, you know, I do agree with you that if This organization that's making this whole uh, series of films available to us you know if what they want to do is propagate a knowledge and understanding of these films then they really should do a better job of the subtitling it does get in the way
1: particularly particularly given this is a a fairly recent restoration and the subtitles were presumably done for the restoration in, in 2014 so yeah it could they could be better
0: yeah, and they're so easy, you know, to do now, really. Or, as,
1: uh, on the other hand, some listeners may think, well, if you're that interested, learn Japanese and learn Mandarin. You, you, you're eccentric idiots.
0: <laughs> Listen, you know, I'm dealing in a context where people can't even be bothered to see films on a big screen, much less kind of yeah, yeah. learn Mandarin. <laughs> are you mad? Uh, so that said, I was thinking, what, what are the things that impress about the film. And I must say that the look is incredibly impressive. The film looks wonderful. Um, the director who's Lee Han Xiang, who had you know, a very long career. I actually don't know very much about him. I've never heard of him. But it turns out that uh, three of his films in the 60s uh, were chosen Uh, to be screened at Cannes, which was, you know, a big honor and um, You can kind of see why he's got a real eye for where to place the camera Um, The compositions all look smashing it's in widescreen and it's really a fantastic use of widescreen Uh, so I think for me the two reasons to watch the film are the way that it looks and also the way that it uses Stars, yeah. And again, you know, forgive me if I am not getting the names right, but uh, Li Li Hua as the Chinese double agent who is uh, Madame Zhao in the film uh, is fantastic, and the other two are as well. So uh, the protagonist is Wang, who is the one that thinks uh, uh, that everyone thinks is a traitor, and then the resistance leader Li. All of them are kind of a real pleasure uh, to
1: watch. Particularly the woman was 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 great, and I, I love the way she kept. And, and I don't know what, how accurate the subtitles were. But the points where she just kept swearing at people, which yes, I'm just be like, a <laughs> scene, and she just became, suddenly she just went, oh, "Fuck you!" And then started to. Keep <laughs> I suspect that was someone not quite accurately reflecting the subtitles, the, the, the dialogue in in the subtitles, but but. Um, there were some great scenes, and yeah, I, I agree entirely about the cinematography as well. I think the the, the, the compositions and the way you know, you get scenes in a in a building where the camera would sort of pan pan around, and, and you you would suddenly see different stuff going on through doorways in somewhere in the cinema scope um, frame, and it, it it was just really well done. And, and the scenes, yes yeah, some of the yeah, the, the scenes, massive crowd scenes with various you know executions or parades or battle scenes were just inc- incredibly impressive
0: i mean i think one of the reasons to see the film again is as a reminder of the different ways that film got populated you know in the 60s because you watch films you watch films now and there's normally like, I don't know, three, four people in the frame, right? To the extent that you think that people have forgotten how to compose for the film, you know, with more than three or four people. This has dozens of people in the frame sometimes, and actually and sometimes hundreds, right? Uh, and so to be able to compose and to design with so many people in the frame, all fulfilling a function, is a real sign of the director's skill. And it's a pleasure to see.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 these it's like these kinds of shots where the, the at one point the resistance people are, are kind of up on the top of a hill, and in, in in the distance there's some troop movements going on, and it's like hundreds of extras marching along in, in the far distance while they're and it's like and then over there there's this and over there there's that, and the camera moves around and there's even more people. It's 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 incredible, really.
0: Mm. There are two things about the film that I thought. Um, have been Im- improved really uh the first is um the action sequences yeah which i don't think are very good they're kind of very coarse you know you'll often cut from one movement into a close-up of another and it doesn't quite match and you don't get the beauty of the action the way that you do in like kung fu films it, it feels very second rate yeah the, the, the filming of the action and that is a problem because this is after all Kind of an action film, yeah, it's a spy war film, yeah, that has action. So, I do wish that those things would have been better, though. I must say that the whole slightly bondy spy element to the film I enjoyed very, very much. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about yeah. You.
1: I, absolutely, and this is why it reminded me of, of Operation Crossbow. Which I, I? don't know, have you ever seen that?
0: No, no, I've never it, seen it's,
1: it. it's this big international, it's a like, Carlo Ponty production. Um, Sophia Loren gets top billing because she's is well, she's, yeah. she's only actually in it for ten minutes. Um, and it, but, it, but yeah, it's all, all these s- stars, Tom Courtney, are parachuted in to try and stop the V2 rocket programme. And it, it starts off as a World War II film, but kind of by the end it's turned into a Bond movie where they're, they're in this, the, you know, the rocket base, the rocket research base is basically like a Bond villain lair and you know there's masses of explosions and this kind of thing and it really reminded me of that the, these two films based in world war Two, but made with a very visibly very very 1960s sensibility in terms of kind of in terms of the haircuts in terms of the the action sequences in terms of you know all these zoom shots and everything and everything and the scope frame and everything yes
0: um, i also loved all the secret recordings. (laughs) There's an element of gadgetry. And there's a campiness. You know, the whole figure of Madame Zhao is, you know, such a kind of a campy, powerful, you know, woman, right? Flippant with her lovers and her guns. (laughs) Ready to kill her love as the mood strikes her. I mean, that was really fun to watch. Um, But what I also thought wasn't really... Well realized, which the film deploys a lot, is the melodrama of it. It all revolves around the notion of you know what is a traitor and who's a traitor and the consequences of being a traitor, right? And I found it like a bit coarse. Yeah, the whole thing with the children—it's often so abrupt and and unmotivated—and uh, I just kind of didn't like it.
1: Yes, because the the guy that's accused of being a traitor—he has. He has this family and yeah, the son is, is upset and everything. But it doesn't really it kinda of comes from nowhere. You you don't see that family together. I think it doesn't it, it kind of felt this too this almost too much going on in the film, all these different strands that don't quite come together.
0: Yeah. I thought the reunion with the father and son, where the son is being chased, you know, by all the boys in the village because his father's a traitor and they wanna beat him up. You know and then the father arrives you know, to the rescue with a whole bunch of men on horseback. I thought it was like really overdone, unmotivated. and again, you know that reputation and family and so on are important in Chinese cultures indeed in these and so many others. But you needed something else, something more, something more subtle, to be moved by what you were saying.
1: In quick succession, you have I think three horseback race against time yeah. chases. So the guy's about to be executed, and first you see Madame Zay riding in close up, riding along the horse, desperately trying to get there, and she's in the middle of nowhere. But then suddenly she gets there, and she gets there, and she's like, "Don't, don't shoot him! You've got to wait for this other guy to turn up." And so they all wait for the other guy to turn up, close for another horse, and he's riding along. <laughs> and then immediately after that, you then get the, the traitor who's now been released riding on a horse trying to rescue his son. And it's sort of, you know, you've done the same climax three times
0: now. The film um, that we talked about last week, uh, Good Morning, Taipei, I thought that was really fun and really pleasurable to watch. And I'd happily watch it again, even though it's not a great work of cinematic art. This one is also, in my view, not a great work of cinematic art. And I did question, why would anyone want to see this film who isn't from Taiwan or, or maybe interested in Taiwan? What reasons would you give to watch this film? And actually, I'd be hard-pressed to find any, really.
1: Yeah, good Morning, Taipei, um, as you said, it wasn't a great film, but it was very interesting and very entertaining and also very interesting for where it sits in Taiwanese cinema and how Chiang's career and so on. Um, the, this one doesn't have that attraction. I mean, it's quite a sort of like a stodgy film, I guess yes. you could describe it. You know, it's, it's clearly a big budget mainstream film, and also, to, I guess, to an extent, a propaganda film. Um, yes,
0: and it, it must be a landmark film in Taiwanese culture. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. But so. a bit like in in,
1: in a way, um, I find, you know, British and American films about World War Two made in the 50s and 60s are never as interesting as films about world war Two made during world war Two. you know the films in the 60s and 70s were being made as kind of you know gung-ho propaganda weren't things great in the 40s whereas in world war Two, they tended to be made with more there's more drive to them There was more cynicism to them um i think that changed a bit later on but but, but perhaps you know for the same reason i mean presumably there's a I guess there's a message here, uh, a propaganda message, a, a 1960s propaganda message in this film about Taiwan's place in relationship to J- Japan and in relationship to China, I guess. Yes. Um,
0: no, it must be, because if you remember when we originally did Taiwanese films, I mean, there was a whole history of the island, you know, and how it was originally, uh, there was a, a, a very large. Uh, Japanese population not only because of the invasion, but you know which remained subsequently So there is kind of like a a, you know a a legacy of Japanese culture in the island Um, which You know might be a significant significant in how uh, The Japanese are represented in the film Um, but in any case to myself as an outsider Interested in Taiwan, but really no more interested in Taiwan than in many other cultures uh, This is a film that I felt is a is a is maybe a landmark film within Taiwanese culture? Yeah, but it's a film that didn't quite speak to me and because it's not a work of art because <laughs> it's not a, you know a, a, a better film uh, I found it wasn't quite a waste of time. I le- I loved seeing the stars and you know and I loved the way that it looked, you know. But it wouldn't go to top of the list of films, you know, that uh, to see.
1: No, 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 no. As, as we said at the start, I think it, a fair amount of that is down to the the presentation in terms of in terms of subtitling and so and so on, because it it, it was, you know, harder to understand the it, the film than it should have been, needs to be, yeah. Really. Um we've not we've perhaps not encouraged anyone to watch this one, but I, I wouldn't I don't know, I wouldn't discourage anyone from watching it. I think if if you're interested in Taiwan if you're in, also I think if you're interested in this the sort of nineteen sixties view of World War Two in general, I think it's it's an interesting film from that point of view. You know, if you're looking at things like Where Eagles Dare and Operation Crossbow and all of those things and you want to see the same thing done in a entirely different culture
0: I, I think that's a, an interesting angle and I must say that the next film that we'll be covering in this series uh, is also uh, directed by Han-siang. so uh, you know we will continue our explorations of this director and this cinema in our next podcast so uh, that said thank you all very much for listening uh, we are thinking aloud about film I'm Jose I'm Richard Bye-bye. bye bye bye